welcome to Growing E-Commerce. I'm your host, Mike Ryan of Smarter E-Commerce, also known as SMEC. Today, I'm joined by my colleague, Philip avelio Velin, who is an expert in analytics and tracking. We're talking about Google Analytics for the complaints, yes, but also the benefits and how to get it right. We discuss cardinality, data retention, migration strategy, consent mode, and model data, plus server-side tagging. It's a great introduction to the topic, and now is actually an opportunity to update your data strategy. Philip explains why this is core to succeeding next year and beyond. Since I just mentioned next year, um, before I start, I want to quickly mention that this is the last episode of 2022. We're taking a short break and picking up again in January. So a sneak preview, we have upcoming episodes, including a 2022 recap, and a 2023 outlook, what's new at Microsoft Ads and on the Microsoft Advertising Network, a behind-the-scenes look at a giant Dutch marketplace clearing $5.5 billion in revenue, and our very first episode touching on Amazon Ads. There's a lot to look forward to there, and I want to thank you all for your support in the last year and a half of podcasting. I checked out Spotify stats for this podcast, and I found that 500 of you out there have this podcast in your top 10, top five, or even number one spot. Um, I was pretty blown away. And all right, the real number was 499. Forgive me for rounding up. But if you're one of those top 499 Spotify listeners, or if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or wherever, please spread the word. Give this podcast a star rating or a review. It really means a lot. Okay, enough blah, blah from me. Let's get into it. So, Philip, thanks so much for joining us on the show today. Um, would you get us started with a quick introduction? What What are your skills? What themes interest you? Well, I'm um, responsible for uh, tracking and analytics at SMEC. Um, so I advise our clients on yeah what to track, how to track, and um, also do setups. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks for for sharing that. Um, what about you know what about um, tracking and analytics is 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 interesting to you? What catches your your attention or sparks your curiosity? Well, I think without um, data being tracked, um, you, you you cannot measure your performance. So um, I think it's the foundation for all um, performance marketing. And without uh, tracking and analytics. Yeah, there wouldn't be much to do um, in 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 performance marketing. So um, it's it's necessary. Yeah, that's right. That's it's that data that differentiates it from you know brand marketing or or other kind of traditional channels. That's right. Um, and I guess we'll get into you know what's going to happen with that data in the future later on, or um, maybe we start. I mean, I'd love to pick your brain about Google Analytics Four, also known as GA Four. Um, and kind of like just for people who might be a little less familiar, this is a major new um, version. I, I don't even know. You can tell me if version is even the correct word or if it's reinvention of analytics. And uh, we'll also use the term universal analytics or UA. And that's kind of the classical instance of, of analytics. Um, so, yeah, tell us a bit about GA4. What is it? Why has it become such a huge topic during? Yeah, at least the last year. Yeah, I mean, um, it's it's honestly, I think it's not Google Analytics four that became the huge topic, but more 
um, the switch from Universal Analytics to um, Google Analytics for, because for everyone who doesn't know yet, um, Google Universal Analytics, or also referred to as Google Analytics 3, will be faded out um, mid-2023. So starting from 1st July 2023, at least if you're not using um, Google Analytics 360, um, your universal analytics properties won't collect any new data anymore. I mean, you will have um, additional six months um, to look at your data, which is already stored, um, but you will not collect any new data. So I would say um, <laughs> June the 30th is really the last day where you should switch or where you, yeah, yeah, actually where you should switch to Google Analytics 4. Um, but my advice or our advice is, um, yeah, do the setup for Google Analytics 4 as soon as possible. I mean, if, if, if you haven't done it yet, you won't have year over year, um, comparison data in Google Analytics 4 anymore, of course, because, um, it's already past, um, July 2022. So honestly, uh, don't wait for too long. Um, start collecting data as soon as possible and make sure to get a proper setup, I would say, especially if you're in e-commerce. Definitely great advice because that, that getting a blind spot in your year over year data could be quite painful. Um, I hope that most people have already at least set up their properties now. Maybe you're not in there in the user interface every day, but at least collecting the data and learning the topic. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of another thing about this whole switch. Like, what is it about GA4 that makes it so different or often a bit painful for people? Um, I've been hearing a lot of complaints on the market about GA4. Why is that? What, what are people maybe not liking about it so far? What's uncomfortable for people so far? It is uncomfortable, um, I guess, because it's new. Um, it's a new interface. I mean, to me, it's, it's very similar to universal analytics, but still it is different. Um, you don't have that many, um, standard reports anymore. Um, it's more, um, based on custom reports. So you, you can easily create new reports. Um, there are some other points, um, like the cardinality issue and other things where, where you, you, you have the impression that, um, G4 is not fully developed. So, so there is still um, new features that will um, be introduced, I guess, and I hope so. And yeah, another thing um, that that that's that's missed is uh, custom channel groupings, mm -hmm. so where you can um, group your traffic in into various channels. Where in Universal Analytics, it was possible to do it, uh, yeah, manually and and set up um, like filters, and in Google Analytics 4, that's not longer possible. So you have to stick to a, um, to, to the, the G4 UTM parameter, um, guide, um, to get the right uh, or the correct, um, channel groupings. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned that for, for you, it's not that different to universal analytics, but I guess for the average user, they're finding the experience a lot more technical, um, or the user interface somehow, um, designed for almost a different a different audience than than maybe themselves um also well i see you tell me what you're thinking <laughs> yeah but, but um listen um, all 
almost um, uh, all customers where we, we made uh, Google Analytics 4 setups, um, they, they looked into Google Analytics 4, I don't know, once, twice before we did the, the proper setup. And it, it was not yet, um, how can I say, um, you didn't have to do a lot in GA4 and, and um, people haven't used it yet. And even even now, I would say that the the, the adoption of of, of G four is not um, like everyone would use uh, G four and, and would prefer G four over Universal Analytics. Although um, Universal Analytics will be faded out in some months, um, so I guess yes, it might be more technical. Um, I think we can agree on that. Um, but it, people will uh, yeah will learn how to get around in GA4 as soon as they start uh, really using it and and analyzing their data. Um, and yeah, if not, let's, I don't know, let, let, let's do a, a, a GA4 workshop or something like that uh, together and, and, and go through the interface and, and so on. Yeah, that's a cool idea. I mean, it, it reminds me, I, I saw somebody wrote on, I don't know, Twitter or LinkedIn somewhere that... Um, interest in, in GA4 will never be higher than the day before universal analytics sunsets. And that is so true just to human nature. And it, all, it reminds me, sorry if I've ever, if I've told this anecdote on the podcast before, but totally reminds me of um, when GDPR was rolling out because we had, we had some blog posts that were, you know, about how to implement stuff with this and what you need to know. And we just watched the traffic on the blog post just ramp and ramp and ramp until really it was like the, the day before um, before GDPR was going into effect and interest was just skyrocketing. And I think there's gonna there's an extent to which that will be true here too, because I don't know, humans are resistant to change or whatever. But um, I think it's it's time to start learning now. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think users will learn um, on how to get along with Google Analytics four pretty well. Mm. Um, so it it might take just some time, but it's better to start now when you still have as a backup Universal Analytics than than uh, wait for uh, June and and then um, yeah, I don't know, don't don't have any backup data mm. where you can look at. Um, you mentioned, by the way, the word cardinality a moment ago. Could you just talk to us about the issue of cardinality? What is that? Why should we care? Yeah, I mean, in, in Google Analytics 4, you have um, the dimensions with, which can be declared as um, high cardinality dimensions. So that it would be if you have more than, I think it's 500, more than 500 different rows of data. And, um, if, if, if you, if you, for example, combine, um, two or, yeah, even, yeah, if you, if you, if you combine two, um, of these, um, dimensions, so with, with, um, more than 500 rows, then in, 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 in some cases, it, you might end up with, I don't know, a hundred thousand, mm -hmm. um, rows. And, um, you won't be able to to see them in Google Analytics 4 anymore. So you will end up with, at least in standard reports, with a, um, a row called other. Um, that's not a, a, I don't know, that, that that's not a wrong setup or something like that. It's just cardinality. And there are some work workarounds. For example, you can use um, explorations. So explorations are 
um, custom reports in Google Analytics 4. Um, you have um, other restrictions there. And for example, um, there are clients that, that cannot see all their items in standard reports and they have another rule. Then I quickly make a, um, a custom report and then every day all, all, all rules are visible again. Um, I mean, if you need to see all, I don't know, 100,000 rows in your data anyway. Um, yeah, well, that's an interesting question of itself, but um, could be that that other row is, you know, summing up to a lot of your revenue. Yeah, it, it, it does. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it, it, it sometimes does. And yes, yes, um, I, I didn't mean that it's no pain, but um, yeah, yeah it, it, it definitely. Um, but but there is, there is no, I cannot give a clear answer when, when this happens, because I, I've, I've seen reports with uh, 110,000 rows and I've seen uh, w without the, the, the other row and, and mm -hmm. I've seen uh, a report with 66,000 rows, I guess. Um, and there was another row. Um, so that's interesting. Um, and also like you can get the complete data through BigQuery, right? Then you have access to your full data. Is that correct? Ah, uh, yes, yes. And that, that's also a huge, um, advantage of Google Analytics 4 because you can link it to BigQuery without um, using Google Analytics 360. Yeah, that's good too. Um, and I, I mean, I think what's another thing going on here where your data is not um, stored as long in GA4 as what people are used to. It's not stored indefinitely, right? I think that's a privacy compliance feature. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you, you will, you will, you, you're referring to to the data retention period, I think. Um, mm -hmm. And in yeah, in GA, GA4 at least in in the the free version, you you can set it to um, two months or 14 months, but this only, um, really affects, um, exploration. So custom reports. So you will see data, um, in standard reports for more than, um, 14 months, even, um, if, if, if you set the data retention period to 14 months. Okay. Thanks for clarifying that. Um, but you know, we talked about a little bit about why people are uncomfortable here. It feels more technical. They're not used to getting around in there. There's some some topics popping up, um, technical topics that make it feel a bit unfinished. I mean, but improvements coming along all the time too, like a, a bounce rate report that people were saying, "Where is this?" And <laughs> yeah, but 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 it's it, it, it's now it, it's it's back. Yeah, bounce rate. Uh... I think it's calculated a bit differently, but you know, they yeah, are, yeah. these things are trickling out. And, um, but what about the positives? Talk about the positives here. How do we benefit from switching to GA4? <laughs> I mean, the, 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 the first reason, of course, is, uh, you will not have data in universal <laughs> analytics anymore. So, so you have to do it. Yeah. There is no way around, uh, switching to GA4 or to another, um, analytics tool. But there, there are some some things um, I can point out. For example, data-driven attribution. Mm -hmm. So until now, um, Google Analytics or Universal Analytics used the last non-direct click attribution model, which means that um, always the, the last um, session that produced a conversion was uh, credited with a conversion. So in G4, if you use um, data-driven attribution, this is actually for, for many, many, uh, companies. This will be the first time to really see the online conversion funnel, mm -hmm. the user journey 
and um, with with a with a um, an attribution model that is different from last click. In theory, you can see um, the impact that uh, had the, the the first social media click that arrived on your website, and the impact of the last shopping ad before the conversion actually happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so it you you will have a better overview. Um, of your marketing activities. Also, custom reporting with the explorations I'm, I've already mentioned quite some times, I guess. It's much more um, easy to to create custom reports, I think. Yes, it is different than in universal analytics, but um, yeah, you will, people will get used to it. And you're, I would say, more flexible in, in changing those reports and adapting them uh, yeah, consent mode. Let's spend some time on consent mode. How does that work? What do you see as strengths and weaknesses of consent mode? Uh, I'm not sure if everyone is as, as excited about this, or how, what do you what are you hearing about it, and what do you think about it yourself? Yeah, I mean, consent mode tackles the problem that um, companies are losing data um, due to consent banners. So, um, if you if someone doesn't consent. Uh, doesn't give you consent and you you don't track uh, this one you're losing data this can be a lot of data um, sometimes 50 percent sometimes 30 percent that you're losing and uh, it, it it really depends on 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 the the consent um, banner uh, implementation and the consent management platform um, but yes you're losing a lot of data and and um, consent mode um, is tackling this problem. So with um, constant mode, you're sending uh, like pings also for for those people who haven't consented. So you're sending pings to um, Google Analytics, and uh, Google Analytics processes this data in uh, a different way. So it uses it um, for um, data modeling. Mm-hmm. So in the end, you end up with um, collected data and model data. So Google kind of models what would that session have looked like if they had consented? Is that is that what's occurring there? Yes, yes, um, in a way, yes. But then uh, as a consequence of this, then you could have 30 to 50% of your data modeled instead of um, directly reported. Yes, I mean, it, it um, depending on, on how, how you, you, you set it up, um, you can you can see only um, only the the collected data, so normal normally collected data, but you can also um, see combined um, collected and modeled data. So that that's all about the strengths. Um, you asked about the weaknesses. I think that that a lot of um, uh, our clients and and a lot of people um, in general. Um, have some concerns about uh, privacy in, in, in this case. So um, my advice would be, yeah, check, check what uh, content mode really does and um, ask a lawyer about it. So um, you, you should really make sure um, to not um, implement something um, which, which is against uh, GDPR or um, depending on, on on where you're based. Yeah, definitely. I, I've seen commentary that consent mode um, <clears throat> feels like kind of a backdoor, and you know that 
there's there's debate about to what extent is this really compliant, what extent isn't it, which I don't know. <laughs> I'll leave that to the legal experts to, to settle that one. But it's very interesting to watch it unfold right now. Yeah, just uh, about this. So that's an interesting point. That's cool that you can, I, I don't know if I really had got that, um, that you can choose which way you're viewing the data, whether you're viewing only the collected data or the collected and the modeled. And that's another thing I want to mention too, with like uh, you mentioned data-driven attribution before. You can also do model comparison there too and view different attribution models pretty easily. Isn't that right? Uh, yes, yes, exactly. I mean, for those who are more familiar with um, attribution models in Google Ads, you have this um, um, attribution model comparison report in Google Ads too. Um, but of course, it's different data. But yes, you, you can see the impact that um, a data-driven attribution would have uh, compared, for example, to the um, common last-click model, which was used in Universal Analytics, and you can you can also switch um, between those those models in in, in reporting in the settings. Um, so yes, uh, thank you for mentioning that. Um, that's a pretty cool feature. Yeah, I think it's just I think it's an important thing because anytime you're dealing with with model data, which let's face it, attribution that's a, that's a model, and um, the, these modeled conversions again, we're trying to kind of backfill data that's getting lost um, in that case. So different different kind of use cases there. But it's always a thing. This is just like a a lens to view your website data through and, and your performance data through. And neither one of them is necessarily the perfectly the truth, but they're they're designed to be ways that you can inform yourself. Uh, yes, exactly. And and you, you you always have to to align with all parties um which which data model you're or which which attribution model you're using for uh, making decisions, for example. Are you using last click for reporting and bas- making your decisions with data-driven attribution or, or the other way around, for example. Um, so that, 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 that's a thing you have, you have to, to keep in mind. Yeah, definitely. And then, and consider, you know, okay, now how is the ad, um, ads account optimizing? What kind of attribution model does that take into consideration? But what about e-commerce specifically? So like the intersection of GA4 and e-commerce, um, are there improvements here or features that you want to call out or things that are possible with GA4 that weren't possible before? Um, yeah, I would say, I mean, we, we've already talked about um, <laughs> some of these features, um, some of these new features. But in the end, it's, it's not, um, I would say, it, it's not data that's ha- that has a, a direct impact on, on performance, for example. But you, you can, you, you have, you still have to do something with the data. You have to... Mm-hmm. Um, make decisions based on data and you um, yeah and 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 so you have to get um, at at first point you have to collect the the right data so um, for example yes there is a a standard um, e-commerce setup um, what you can set up with g4 um, but um, you also have to create the the right reports um, um, on 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 which you're you're going to base your decisions on, um, you have to to create your own insights. How do um, specific products, for example, perform on a website? Um, where where are people leaving the website, um, abandoning the conversion funnel, and so on? And um, especially when it comes to funnels, I would say it's um, easier um, in G4 to build these funnels because um, that was hardly possible in universal analytics and also 
um, I guess for for a lot of um, of of companies, I think the connection to BigQuery will be um, a huge benefit. Maybe not now um, when when there's now there's the, the the switch to GA4 and you have to get your data right, you have to set it up, you have to um, start working with it. But in the end, you you can use uh, the BigQuery connection um, for deeper analysis and. Um, also to connect your your um, your online data to your offline data and then use use your first party data. I mean, we talked about that now is the time to switch if people haven't switched, and we've talked about kind of the pros and cons. Um, so for people, I, I think it's interesting too for people who have have switched already, um, but also for people who haven't done so yet. How do you recommend managing that that migration that switch between UA? And GA4 between Universal Analytics and the new Google Analytics. I would say at, at first, um, think about what what are you, what do you want to measure, um, because you should not end up um, with with measuring too much, um, but also not not enough. Um, does it make sense to I don't know send fifty or or hundred different events to Google Analytics, or do you maybe just need I don't know ten? And what are those events you're, you're tracking? Um, what events on your website? What, what are people doing on your website? What do you want to measure? I would say for e-commerce, there is a, yeah, a pretty straightforward e-commerce setup, but there's always, um, something else you, you might want to measure, which is not um, covered by this, um, e-commerce setup. So first thing, um, make sure to know what you want to measure. Next thing is um, lock some resources with um, your, you, you most probably will need uh, your developer, your web, web developer, um, and maybe a tracking agency or um, marketing, performance marketing agency um, for the setup. When, when the setup is, is, is done, um, make sure to keep collecting universal analytics data for now um, to be able to compare the data. So it shouldn't be um, too different from each other, especially when talking about conversions and, and revenue. Also, um, a point you should not forget is y- you might have linked your Universal Analytics account to some other um, sources like Google Ads, for example, uh, or or uh, Look or Luca Studio, former uh, Google Data Studio. So don't forget also to 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 change these connections. Um, you, you might you might have to. Create new Luca Studio reports, and you you should um, also connect um, G4 to Google Ads, and especially if you're importing conversions from Google Analytics to Google Ads right now, uh, please don't forget uh, to also con- um, import them from Google Analytics 4. Otherwise, you might uh, you might end up uh, next July without any conversion tracking anymore. In Google Ads, yeah, let's please avoid that one. I think that's uh, good advice, especially you know right at the start there to choose what events you really want to measure, what matters to you, um, because yeah, you know you want to avoid this paralysis analysis, excuse me, analysis paralysis uh, situation, or getting you know when your line charts start looking more like spaghetti because there's too much stuff going on there. <laughs> um, yeah, but but really that that's a topic that over time. <clears throat> You need to maintain this stuff. You need to keep your annotations straight. You need to just, uh, sometimes less is more. You can always add more later on too. Um, so yeah, that makes a lot of sense. 
I want to broaden out here for a minute before I let you go. We've got a little time left here. Um, so I'm going to take advantage of that. What, what technical or strategic factors are going to offer some businesses a strategic edge over others? And what role does data play here? In the end, um, if, as, as, I mean, that, that's, I think that's how, 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 how this conversation started. Um, if, if you don't collect the, the, the right data, you, you will have a disadvantage. Um, over competitors. I think collecting data with um, G4 and, and keep on collecting data um, is, um, yeah, like, like the, the, the foundation of your, of your uh, marketing, of your, at least on, online marketing. Um, but also if, if I, if I um, look at the developments uh, in, in general with um, the fading out uh, third-party cookies. Um, and I think next year, also in 2023, um, Google fades out similar audience, audiences yep. and so on. So it will be uh, more important to work with your first-party data. So it's impossible to get to know your audience as well as possible and also try to connect um your 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 online data if possible um with offline data and you can do this with um g4 as mentioned earlier with um for example bigquery yeah i think i think the, these will be the, the the factors uh where you can benefit from um from a proper g4 setup yeah, so just kind of the the brilliant basics there like getting this foundational layer really right and it's just the foundation for decision-making, optimization. So you want to make sure that you're measuring the right things, measuring them correctly, um, and avoiding any kind of a garbage-in, garbage-out situation that would <laughs> that could arise otherwise. Yeah, exactly. What's what's next in, in digital marketing? What what trends are you watching? Um, you mentioned a little bit like about the death of the cookie coming up, but and or are there themes or strategies that you think are overhyped underhyped um yeah especially when when talking about um uh, about cookies um i think um i would mention server-side tagging here i i cannot yet say whether it's overhyped or or um uh, really a, a great thing um when when used for uh performance um you, you could for example use server-side tagging um, for working around um, ad blockers and extending the cookie lifespan. But in the end, um, in my opinion, it also gives you as much control over the data you're sending to, for example, analytics or especially analytics as possible. I would say in, in, in this, in this case, it's, it's, uh, the thing that, that's most relevant is uh, privacy for, for me or for even for us as a company, I would say. I'm not yet comfortable to say whether it's 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 overhyped because um, it's not used by that many um, companies. But yeah, let let's see. I mean, it it also offers some some other um, some other yeah chances. I would say. I, I mean, I want I will I just want to pick that apart a bit because so I think there's a saying that um, happiness is reality minus expectations or expectations minus reality I, I don't remember but basically there's like this if there's a gap opening up between what you expected and what actually occurred you're probably going to be unhappy if there is if things match up 
you're going to be satisfied. And if actually reality exceeds your expectations, then you'll be really happy. And I think with server-side tagging, um, there are some people who are maybe a bit overhyping it. And so not like to your point that it's, that it's tough to say right now. Um, I think so too. I think there, there just was kind of one of these classic hype cycles occurring maybe, and maybe it's not as like a magic wand as some people might have it in their minds, but if you recognize it for what it is and what it can and what it cannot do, um, then it's another option that you have. It's a tool in the toolbox. Um, one thing that jumped out to me though, you mentioned, Maybe I was I was over listening. I'm not sure, but um, or listening too close. But so you mentioned the importance of privacy. Sure. You also mentioned control of what you can send to Google. Like, is there something there? Could you unpack that? If so, if not, just wave me away that I imagined it. <laughs> um, but for example, server side tagging could help you um, incorporate data like profit data, for example, that you might not want to share directly with Google. Is that is that right? Actually, I, I didn't mean it like like that. I, okay. I really meant it um, <laughs> in terms of privacy. So, so okay, when, okay. for example, um, a company doesn't want to um, share its users, uh, user agent strings with Google, mm-hmm. um, then you could um, redact those um, with server-side tagging, for example. But, but yeah, it, 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 actually, it, it's correct. There's also the possibility to enrich your data um, you're sending to Google with, yeah, for example, uh, margin data you want you don't want to share on your website. Um, so, so you don't want to have on your website. That's also a possibility. And um, another another thing um, would be writing to BigQuery um, directly via server-side tagging. Um, and not going through analytics and then exporting it to um, BigQuery. So that would be possible too. I guess it's it's in a way up to us to find use cases um, mm. to, to really benefit um, from server-side tagging. Because if 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 we don't, um, yeah, find those use cases and and don't don't implement them, then it will definitely be overhyped. But uh, let's see what what happens in within the next. I don't know. Uh, I would say months. Yeah, I mean, I like that. I think it's a good note to end on. Like, if we go back to that expectations versus reality thing, we can also influence reality. We can take control into our own hands here by deciding what happens with implementations like server side tagging. Before I let you go, is, are there any projects or companies or people you want to shout out? Yes, uh, I, I would definitely shout out to people like um, Simo Hava or Charles Farina, um, which do a lot for, for the community in, in tracking and analytics um, with uh, yeah their, their blogs and, 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 and resources they provide. Uh, that's really awesome uh, of them. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, of both of them, of Krista Seiden as well. And some there's just a lot of really generous folks in the industry i just want to share like i think the phrase um that timo uses it's like altruistic knowledge or something like this but it's the idea of like knowledge as as charity or or or, you know sharing for the sake of sharing and not for the sake of, of you know i don't know building your following or selling courses or whatever other kind of motives that there are out there so definitely great people and thank you too philip for coming on and sharing your knowledge we really appreciate that um it's been it's been great yeah thank you very much mike
Thanks for listening to Growing E-Commerce. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with coworkers, friends, or within your professional network. We really appreciate it. This podcast is produced by Smarter E-Commerce, also known as SMEC. To learn more, visit smarter-ecommerce.com. Thank you.